Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Warning. Guests of The Roy Green Show may experience the truth, being in the hot seat, and in some cases, crying. The Roy Green Show continues on the Chorus Radio Network. Hurricane Irma is making its way toward Florida, 155-mile-an-hour winds, gusts to 190. I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. Think of the worst storm you've been in, the worst winter storm you've been in as far as wind is concerned. We get a lot of that in the winter in Canada. And then multiply that two, three, four, five hundred times, maybe. Scary. Well, maybe 500 times is an exaggeration, but it's going to feel that way. And it's going to be tremendously destructive. Something like we probably haven't seen before. As far as hurricanes hitting Florida is concerned, we'll be speaking with um, Global News Chief Meteorologist Anthony Farnell. He'll join us from Daytona Beach later on this hour. And uh, I have a lot lot of admiration for Anthony, who um, is going to be there as this thing roars in. Dr. Anand Nanadesikan is uh, on our schedule as well this hour. Professor of Earth and Planetary Sciences at John Hopkins University. Climate scientist who says global warming will see a reduction in the numbers of hurricanes, but that their strength is going to be much greater. And next hour, Dr. Bjorn Lomborg, who is one of the world's premier environmentalists and um, Time magazine described him as one of the most uh, one of the 100 most influential people in the world. He's the head of the Copenhagen Consensus Center. He'll join us from Prague and uh, he's challenging a lot of things that are said about global warming and he has said that um, what uh, I'm trying to find here Stephen Hawking claims the US withdrawal from the Paris Climate Treaty, quote, could push the Earth over the brink to become like Venus with a temperature of 250 degrees Celsius. Dr. Lomborg says Stephen Hawking is, quote, just silly, end quote. So I'll have all of that for you coming up in the next hour and a half. John Cassidy, Dr. John Cassidy is with me now, research scientist. He's an international earthquake expert with the Geological Survey of Canada. He joins us from British Columbia. And I called Dr. Cassidy because of the earthquake that happened in Mexico. And, of course, this country has some very significant earthquake zones, particularly in the, uh, in the west. British Columbia is part of that Cascadia area. And, John, thank you very much for the time. It's, it's always good to talk to you, and it's always, I always get, to get a sense of reassurance from you that we may be better off than we think we are when it comes to the kind of damage that earthquakes can do. Well, um, things are, are, are improving, uh, Roy, and, and thank you for this opportunity. Um, we, we are we're learning from all of these um, earthquakes around the world. We're learning from the small earthquakes that we record across Canada every day, and uh, and that's important to study these, especially the large earthquakes um, like the one in Mexico or Japan or Chile, 
and um, learn as much as we can from those and apply though that information to to our to our building codes and that's that's um, the science that we're doing is improving our building codes so that we can be better prepared for large earthquakes that uh, that we know will occur in the future. Eight point one is huge, isn't it? It is huge. This was the largest earthquake recorded this year. Typically, only a few of these are recorded each uh, each year. If an if an eight point one earthquake were to hit an unprepared urban area, how much damage would it do? Uh, well, it, it, the, the uh, a magnitude eight point one impacts a huge area, so that's one of the one of the factors we're talking about. An area of very strong shaking that extends over a, a few hundred kilometers. And, and really depends on, on the location. So this earthquake is only slightly larger than the 1985 earthquake that hit off of Mexico. Uh, but the earthquake just a few days ago was in a much more remote area of, of, of southern Mexico, and it was offshore. Mm-hmm. So that little bit of um, extra distance really makes a difference in terms of uh, ground shaking and, and the impacts, ultimately the impacts. Of these so if, they, if this, if this 8.1 earthquake had happened, if the epicenter had been an under an unprepared urban area, the damage would have been colossal. Uh, yes, that's, it's very, very strong shaking, and the closer you are to that shaking, uh, the, the, the stronger it is. So this earthquake was in a, a more remote area, and that's mm-hmm. why we're seeing a little bit less damage, but still very, very strong shaking all along those coastal communities. When you and I spoke yesterday, yeah. you said that there was, um, there was this, this earthquake in, in Mexico was important to Canada, uh, it took place in a subduction zone, and it didn't do what earthquakes are supposed to do, if I understand correctly. And that could have, um, I don't want to use the word impact, but that could have, in a very loose sense, an impact on what may happen uh, at some point in the Cascadia zone. Uh, yeah, that's, that's right. So uh, both um, where this earthquake occurred in Mexico, this is a subduction zone. An ocean plate is moving towards Mexico and pushing beneath uh, beneath the country, we have exactly the same situation off of Vancouver Island and southwestern British Columbia, where an ocean plate is moving towards us at about the same speed that your fingernails grow. Um, that ocean plate is is beneath Victoria, Vancouver, and uh, and we have different types of earthquakes. We have these big offshore subduction earthquakes that we know have been um, up in the magnitude nine range in the past. We have earthquakes close to the surface, and then we have these deep earthquakes within the ocean plate, like the one in Mexico that we saw a few days ago. Um, the difference here is that the, the earthquake in Mexico was much, much larger than these, um, the same type of earthquake that we see uh, in our region. Uh, so so that's, uh, that's unusual, and that's um, something that we want to look at and, uh, and, and learn from is is the size of that earthquake, the location of that earthquake, and, and the aftershock, so that we can um, better understand what to expect here in British Columbia. Is there a quake that would bear some similarity? If, you, if, you, if you're looking for a point of reference, and you were to look at what's happening or what has happened in British Columbia or Washington State or Oregon or down the coast, is there uh, something that's happened, an earthquake in, 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 our, in this area, in that area, that has happened uh, in the last... I know, 50 years that would bear some some resemblance to what happened in Mexico? Yeah, a, a few. The, um, smaller, though. So um, we had in 2001 a magnitude 6.8 earthquake near near Seattle, and it was also one of these deep earthquakes like the one in, in Mexico, so a very similar type of earthquake, but 
Seattle region, it caused about $2 billion in damage. And, uh, and um, we've had other large magnitude 7, 7.3 earthquakes here on Vancouver Island, um, the last one being in 1946. And in terms of the larger ones, Haida Gwaii, uh, just about five years ago, we had a magnitude 7.8 earthquake, which is close to the size of this one in Mexico, but a, a little bit smaller still. Mm-hmm. Are we doing any better being able to predict when earthquakes happen? I know people have said, for example, if your dog starts to run uphill, I've heard some insane things, and I never know what to believe and what not to believe. But on a scientific basis, I know what I should believe and what I shouldn't believe, John. Well, but yeah, it's, it's a good question, and we're certainly making a lot of um, advances in understanding where earthquakes are more likely to occur, how large and how often, and how the ground will shake. So that that's the... The, the fundamental science that goes into our building codes and bridge codes. Right. And those are improving uh, largely because of, of, of studying recent earthquakes with better data, more modern data, different types of data. So, so we're making huge advances in, in our understanding of, of um, earthquake hazards. Right. Uh, we're also making a lot of advances in, in um, earthquake early warning which simply takes advantage of the fact, and this worked in Mexico during the most recent earthquake, uh, that the, the damaging waves travel at about three or, or four kilometers each second. So the farther away an earthquake is from you, potentially the more warning time. And Mexico City had uh, nearly two minutes of warning before the strong shaking uh, came into that, um, uh, into that city. By so, measuring the, the tsunami? Uh, by measuring the, the seismic waves from seismic the waves, but yeah, there was so a tsunami involved. I mean, usually, there's or if there's a large earthquake and it's below the ocean, there's generally a tsunami uh, involved too. Is there right? Not? And and this was a large earthquake and and also beneath the ocean, but it was a um, relatively deep earthquake at about seventy kilometers, mm-hmm. and because it was within the ocean plate and not on the on the fault between it, it didn't it wasn't a slipping of that ocean plate like the big subduction earthquakes, but it was actually within the ocean plate. So because of the type of earthquake uh, we were dealing with here, this, there, there was not much of a tsunami generated. There, there was. It was less than a meter, um, but certainly not like the big tsunamis that you often... So kind of an okay beginner surfing wave. Uh, a fairly small wave, yeah, but, but you know, any, any tsunami is... Um, yeah, no, I'm trying, trying to look for a little humor in, yeah. the, in the dark side. Uh, but, but, you know, for prediction, that's a much tougher um, uh, question, and, and there is no, at this point, there's no um, way of predicting exactly when, where, and how large an earthquake right. will be. But, but you're right that, you know, there are a lot of observations out there that uh, sometimes work and sometimes don't. John, just before we take a break, what other areas of Canada are particularly prone to earthquakes. What other earthquake zones are significant in this country? And I'm talking about areas where you would uh, where you'd also find urban centers. Right. So the the west coast, of course, where the active plate boundaries are. So all along the coast of British Columbia, uh, through uh, through the Yukon Territory. But the other big one, uh, and with big population centers, is um, the Ottawa Valley, um, St. Lawrence Corridor. And also along the Atlantic margin, so off the coast of Newfoundland, uh, Nova Scotia, and through the Arctic. So quite a bit of Canada, and um, and in eastern Canada, uh, the 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 big earthquakes don't happen as often. But um, but even magnitude six or six and a half earthquakes, the waves travel very effectively through the hard rock of eastern Canada. So mm-hmm. they they can travel a much greater distance 
and be felt to a much greater distance and then cause damage uh, compared to an earthquake in Western North America. Got to take a quick break, but no one who has experienced an earthquake, no one who's felt the ground move without having stopped off at a few imbibing locations on the way home, uh, is ever going to forget that feeling when the ground begins to involuntarily move between below your feet and the stuff around you starts to move. Um, in my early 20s in Montreal, I was about 3 o'clock in the morning. I was fast asleep. And my bookcase, a huge bookcase, only a large piece of furniture I owned at the time, crashed to the floor. And, the f- and I'll never forget this. The first thought of, uh, that popped into my mind was earthquake. I don't know why. I mean, I'm not pressing into anything. But 800-263-2428 is, uh, is our number, by the way. If you have a question for Dr. Cassidy, you can, uh, you can call in 800-263-2428. Talk some more about earthquakes. And there are many people who believe there could be uh, some sort of connection between the hurricanes and the earthquake. I don't think that's the case. I don't believe there's anything in the way of even a remote connection. But we'll ask Dr. Cassidy when we come back. Stay with us. Compassionate, caring, and cuddly. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Those of you who have been uh, following for some months now the stories that we've aired on uh, chronic pain patients and the agony they experience and the indifference with which they're treated by governments and by medical colleges and by some doctors. Uh, You heard Catherine, I'm sure. She was my first from Alberta, first guest, repeat guest, who was struggling with chronic pain and uh, very severe medical conditions. Well, Catherine passed away a couple of days ago, earlier this week. And I'm going to say more about that tomorrow because she was also denied, as you know, the pain medication that she required. And it was a a doctor she had never met, the doctor in Toronto, who ordered her doctor in uh, in Alberta to cut down her opioids. She passed away. I heard from her mother. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. We have a lot to talk about on that issue. Dr. John Cassidy with me, research scientist as far as earthquakes are concerned, international earthquake expert with the Geological Survey of Canada. John, we were talking about preparedness and uh, and looking again, particularly at the Cascadia region in the northwest of North America, Vancouver, and, uh, and all of British Columbia, Vancouver Island, British Columbia involved there. What kind of appropriate preparations have taken place? What's happening as far as making buildings safe uh, from the kind of earthquake that struck, or safe as possible, from the kind of earthquake that struck Mexico the other night at 8.1. Right. So there's a lot of work underway from uh, improving building codes so that uh, as new structures are designed, they are uh, designed for the, with the latest information. Uh, there's also a lot of retrofitting taking place, which is uh, old bridges, old schools, um, old buildings in, in um parts of the city that are being strengthened to withstand the type of shaking. Uh, We have emergency organizations across the province and communities uh, planning and, and again, using the latest information from big earthquakes around the world to to prepare for future earthquakes in this region. And and then things like shakeout, where, you know, the entire province uh, every year... uh, rehearses, a dress rehearsal for an earthquake, and 
practices uh, the response to an earthquake. So, and, and schools where schools are being retrofit and, and school drills are now a part of part of life here in British Columbia. So none of that was happening 20 or 30 years ago. So there's, uh, there have been remarkable advances, and, and there's still a lot to do, but, um, but things are getting much, much better. So BC is also in one of those subduction zones, correct? It is. That's exactly like, right. Like, like the one that, uh, under the ocean in, near Mexico. Just like Mexico, okay. just like Chile, just like Japan. I watched something on television a few months ago, and I mentioned it to you yesterday, and it was a, a special on buildings that were being prepared for a potential earthquake. And I think it was Los Angeles City Hall. They, with computer imaging, deconstructed the building, but they showed the shell, the steel shell of the building, and underneath all four corners were massive shock absorbers. I had no idea that kind of thing existed. Like the shock absorber you have in your car or your truck, just a little bigger. Yeah, exactly. So there have been uh, huge advances in earthquake engineering where buildings can be built on rollers or shock absorbers or anything that will... Uh, help to absorb the energy from from the ground shaking, and during these very large earthquakes, the the ground is moving. Um, it's uh, the shaking can be stronger than gravity, so items are being thrown around. It, it's very very strong shaking. What's the worst one you've seen? Um, the, well, I I was in uh, Chile after the 8.8 earthquake. I experienced a magnitude seven aftershock there. Uh, here in Victoria, I've I've experienced um, up to about a magnitude 6.8. Uh, the one near Seattle about 15 years ago. Um, so not, you know, not because of the distances involved, not really strong shaking, but very frightening still. And and in Chile, after the 8.8 earthquake, uh, the constant aftershocks were, were extremely, um, uh, it was very frightening to be right. feeling constant aftershocks. And there's no connection between earthquakes and the hurricanes, right? No, that's right. I know, so people are afraid of those sorts of things, and it's probably better to dispel the fear and dispel any myths that have been uh, put out there. There's no connection between the two, but it does seem like Mother Nature's a little angry these days. Uh, there, there's <laughs> a, lot, a lot going on. There is. It's always great to talk to you, John. Thank you so much for the time and thank, giving us your weekend. Thank you, Roy. Dr. John Cassidy, research scientist, international earthquake expert with the Geological Survey of Canada, 8.1 on the Richter scale. In Mexico, huge, huge earthquake. Just very fortunate that it wasn't in a populated area. When we come back, Hurricane Irma is going to hit an incredibly populated area, the state of Florida. In 1992, when Andrew hit, there were 13 million people approximately in Florida. Now there are 21 million. 5.6 million have been ordered evacuated. We'll speak with Anthony Farnell, Global News Chief Meteorologist, who will join us from Daytona Beach right after this.